Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is March 23rd, 2022, and we are hitting the final stretch. NBA. This is crazy. We're already talking about magic numbers, talking about playoff seeding, as we did last week on this show. But we're still getting some great performances. I find it hilarious because we just talked about the scoring outbursts that we've had since the All-Star break. And here we go again. Trey Young, 45 points at MSG in his return to New York. He even said the boos were so quiet that he couldn't even hear them. We've got a ton of action going on. We know that the Suns have now clinched the Pacific Division. That's our first clinch of the season in any division in the NBA. So lots going on here in the final stretch. We also have March Madness, Sweet 16, starting up again there on Thursday. Hell of a time to be a basketball fan. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Keeping it 94, brought to you, of course, by BasketballNews.com Podcast Network, powered by Ticket Smarter and Prize Picks. B, what's happening, my man? I didn't want to throw this in your face to start, but I'm going to anyway. Um, did you want to pour one out for your uh, Tennessee Volunteers? Oh, man. Uh, you know what? It was so awesome to see Juwan Howard just kind of, you know, taking Kennedy Chandler's emotions and, and really just kind of encouraging him after that game because Kennedy played such a good game. Michigan, I mean, you're looking at them. You're looking at the Wolverines, the season that they've had, the the ups and downs, obviously the suspension to Juwan, and you see that they're in the Sweet 16 right there in the thick of it. We've got a ton, a ton of double-digit seeds in this Sweet 16. It's been very fun to watch. I mean, everybody's talking about the stories on St. Peter's. Alex has written about those like crazy on basketballnews.com. Um, you know, just a, a ton of, of underdogs making it through. Two number one seeds. Two number one seeds didn't make it to the Sweet 16. So that's pretty crazy, isn't it? It absolutely is, you know. I mean, and that's not the ones that we necessarily thought, you know. And, you know, Arizona obviously made it, but, you know, they played in some pretty close games so far. And, um, you know, we've got some – we've had a lot of upsets, you know, St. Peter's. Everybody was talking about them, you know. and um, But we still have a couple of the favorites still in it. So it's a nice mix, I think, so far. And there's been some really good games. For sure. And my apologies, not two number one seeds. I thought that TCU should have won that game against Arizona, and there were some wonky things that happened there at the end, but they made it through. Who did not make it through? That's who right. Who did not That's make right. it through was Baylor, who lost to North Carolina. And, of course, a storied program getting taken over. Once from from Roy Williams over to Hubert Davis now. So that's really fun to watch. But again, you count them up. One, two, three double-digit seeds. Sorry, four double-digit seeds 
And then um, a bunch of them that like number eight in, in there, you have a number five in there. So we're seeing some interesting things go down there in, in the NCAA tournament, uh, men's tournament. So looking forward to that action. And, and of course, again, uh, trying to balance it out while watching the NBA. Not easy at this time of year, but we're doing it. And I think uh, it's been fun. It's been fun to watch. So we'll see what happens here uh, in the stretch run. And I'm sure that we'll be talking about how much of your uh, how much of your final four do you have? Left? My final four. <laughs> yeah. I honestly Can I don't know. And laugh? I honestly don't know either. I just know that my champion and my runner-up went down within the first three weeks, oh. three days. Who was your runner-up? My runner-up was Kentucky. Oh my! It was. Um, I, I'm looking at my bracket right now on on the website, basketballnews.com. I have three of my four left. I, I don't know why, but for some reason I picked Iowa. Um, but I still have Arizona. I have Gonzaga, and I have UCLA. And by the way, I did have Michigan. Um, over Tennessee. That's excellent. And that's funny because I, honestly, I, um, I thought Iowa like definitely could have been in the sweet 16 or even get to the final four. They're just a really good team. Uh, they just caught on a bad night, you know, they just caught a, uh, a bad one as, as far as, uh, you mm-hmm. know, playing Richmond who was, was hot and they'd won their conference tournament. So we'll see. And, and again, I'm not going to ask like I'm a, uh, college basketball expert or whatever, but I, I'm just seeing uh, a lot of competitive play. I thought that that game between Michigan and Duke, uh, Michigan State and Duke was amazing. That was probably my favorite game of the tournament so far. That game changed on it a did. dime, man, because I was watching that, and it was like Michigan State went up by five or six points, and like you could just see the momentum turn. You're like, uh-oh, Duke's going to fall apart again because you know this has happened a couple of times here late in the season. And then suddenly Duke just turned it on and it was Michigan State that fell apart. And Duke went on a pretty big run and they ended up closing out that game. It was that was And you're to watch. seeing some some NBA future talent in there too. And, and Wendell Moore Jr., Trevor Keels, of course, Paolo Bancaro. That that's just that's the fun part to watch for me is to see these prospects come through. But it's also fun to see the guys <laughs> like like uh, the, the the guy from St. Peter's, his name's escaping me, but he just he actually just got an NIL deal with Buffalo Wild Wings because of his mustache. Uh, but that that's pretty cool. And you know, first round matchups, Murray State and San Francisco st- stood out. I was heartbroken for my Akron Zips. Thought they should have beat UCLA, mm. and I thought that they were actually controlling the game handily. Uh, and then uh, our center Enrique Freeman fouled out, but. Good news is that most of our team will be returning. We didn't have a single senior. The only people we can lose is on the transfer portal. So that's that's college basketball talk for you. That, that's where you're going to get here on uh, keeping it at 94, and we're going to move into NBA territory. And the most recent one that I saw here in my hometown of Cleveland was your Los Angeles Lakers. And how about this? 2-0 against the Cavs this year. 2-0. And uh, one, Mr. LeBron James, who is currently your scoring leader in the association, came in and he knew the rims. What a surprise. He knew the rims. He dunked over Kevin Love. He shot a fadeaway over Kevin Love, closed it out. It just it's, it's incredible what he's doing right now. He talked about how much fun he's having. And yeah, his team's, you know, 10 games over 500 or under 500 and in the play-in talks right now. But as far as an individual showcase goes, this is just simply incredible. Um, and, and this just doesn't go for the last three games. By the way, last three games averaging over 37 points a game, 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 
and shooting 57% from the field, uh, which is incredible. But uh, it's not just that three-game sample size. It's just that since you know, even since the All-Star break, he's just been on this ridiculous tear. And maybe we pretty much should just say the whole season individually. He's been dealing with I don't know how many teammates uh, that he's had to play with. He's you know going through it because Anthony Davis has been in and out. Now he's sidelined again. Uh, you know, Russell Westbrook, give or take, has not been great for the majority of the season. He's starting to pick it up a little bit. But as far as LeBron goes, just the commitment that he's had to uplifting his teammates. Um, you mentioned it before we record this podcast, how much the Lakers are cutting right now, which is helping. Uh, but he's taking it inside again. He's not just shooting jumpers. He'll shoot jumpers when when they're given to him, and he'll shoot them when they're contested. But he's also not shown any... Um, trepidation about going to the rim. He looks like he's 27 and not 37, which is which is crazy. But he did this again in Cleveland, which of course is turning the spokes about you know a Cleveland return in the future. But let's just appreciate the individual performances that the Kings putting on right now because he's an all time great. And uh, you know we haven't talked about him in a while because we're so focused on Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic, what Giannis is doing, and rightfully so because these are the MVPs. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But LeBron James is 37 years old, and he's performing like he's in the prime of his career. He's 37 years old, and he's in his 19th season in the NBA, and he's on a team that has underperformed and is not going to win a championship, and that's what he's all about is championships right now. But I give him so much credit for going out there and playing in games where he could rest if he wanted to. Uh, He could take nights off. He does not do it. And he goes out there and he puts on a show and he plays hard every single minute of every single game. He understands his place in the league from a standpoint that people come out there. They want to see him play. They want to see him put on a show and he gives a damn. And he's talked about, like you said, about how much fun he's having right now. And it's just a marvel to watch him right now and see him play at this level in this part in his career after he's played so many minutes and so many games and done so much and to play at this incredible level is just unfathomable. I mean, there's so many advances when it comes to taking care of your body and diet and whatnot. And he's done all of that to the extreme, but um, to still have this kind of passion for the game as well and be as durable as he is. And the last couple of years, you know, he has been more banged up, but He's not banged up right now, and he's playing just just out of sight. It's, so many people want to talk about it, and there's, there's so much depth of talent in the NBA. It's, it's a great time to watch. But people that want to discount LeBron because of his age or because the team is underperforming, you know, and say, like, kind of where is his place right now in the league? I mean, I'm not one for, you know – this guy's definitely number one and this guy's definitely number two kind of a thing. I think that's all kind of objectionable to a certain degree, but you can't tell me that LeBron James is still not one of the top five, not one of the top three players in the NBA right now. And um, he's not slowing down. He just passed Carl Malone um, for second place in the all-time scoring list. The only person ahead of him now is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and He's probably going to pass Kareem next year. It's is wild too, and it's, it's a it is wild, man. I mean, I I'm sitting here thinking 
for a lot of my career or my career, my life thinking, is anybody ever going to pass Kareem, you know, who played for 20 years and just put up these astronomical numbers, obviously slowed down a lot the last couple of years. And here we are with LeBron at 37 and he's leading the league in scoring. It is crazy. And, you know, I, I can say this for me as somebody that's almost 50 years old, I have been so lucky as an NBA fan because I, when I get, got into the game and I started watching NBA, the first star that I really gravitated to was Magic Johnson. And from that, I got to witness Michael Jordan, his entire career. And now I'm able to witness the entire career of LeBron James. And it is still going, and I'm still going to appreciate every last minute of it. And and in between, there's so many great players too, including Kobe Bryant, who's one of my favorite all-time athletes. So I would just encourage everybody like, hey, man, I even if he's not on your team, and I, and I would do this too if he wasn't on the Lakers, enjoy every last minute you can of LeBron James because this is all-time greatness, and he's still going. And I'm not even going to try to – even guess how much longer this is going to last because who knows? I mean, nobody expected him to play at this level at this stage of his career. So uh, enjoy it. Well, it's still if going Alex on. was a part of this podcast, he would be likening him to Tom Brady right now. <laughs> but I will yes. say this, man. Yes. You and don't that- see this. <laughs> you don't see this after, I don't know, age, what, 33, 34? Like, this is, this is unprecedented. Not those kind of numbers. He's damn near 40 years old, guys. And he's still doing this. The 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 athletic marvels. The we we always knew that he wasn't dependent on his athleticism. But the crazy part is, it's still kind of there. It's still kind of there. And the the shot diet's a, a little different. He's a little bit more jumper heavy still, but he's still taking it to the basket. Uh, he is still able to uplift his teammates. He's been a little bit more selfish in a good way this year where he's taking more shots because he kind of has to. But the thing is, he's also playing different positions. Shoot. They've had him starting at center this year. They've had him starting at center this year. Uh, You know, he's played all five positions throughout his career. Um, You know, it's, it's really something to, to appreciate and to enjoy how versatile, how talented he is. If you want to nitpick one area, you can say defense. It is hilarious watching him sometimes of course, not of get course. back down the floor because he's like, I'm not and wasting that's my energy. Really tell that this, gonna, is, this is an easy yeah, layup for the other team. Like That happens. It's, it's happened throughout his career, of course. But when it comes to winning time, he ain't going to do that. Exactly. And, you know, you talk about like the athleticism. And yeah, he's probably not the same athlete he was, obviously. But you want to talk about like that play, you know, that dunk on Kevin Love, okay? Everybody marveled at that because, like, you're dunking on a guy. But if you look at how high up he got, his head was even with the rim. Like, his elbow was over the rim. I mean, that's crazy athleticism he's doing. And that game just put was such a, a great capsule of still how good he is. And it's not just because of, like, oh, my God, he dunked on Kevin Love. The, the aspects of the game that wowed me was when you look down the stretch and they put that game away, he hit, I believe, three ridiculous long fadeaway jumpers. There was one where he just drifted through the lane and faded and just kept going and going and shot, and he made it. He made another one from the, uh, from the right side that was a good 20 feet fadeaway. 
like he ended up out of bounds and he made it. I mean, he's a crazy. And his passing in that game was unreal. Like hitting cutters and just doing some of this. He he made one stupid little pass to begin the fourth quarter where he's on the on, on the wing and Stanley Johnson broke to the free throw line around there and he threw this bounce pass with a spin on it right to him. And like as Stanley cut through the lane and he hit a jumper, it's just like, how are you making some of these passes? I mean, it's it crazy. Is. It is. And we appreciate the King here on Keeping It 94. Let's take a little break, though, and talk about our friends over at Prize Picks. All users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on Prize Picks will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to 100 bucks. Sign up at app.prizepicks.com. Brian, it's a miracle. I won last week. I won last week, Big and winner. we are going to keep that momentum rolling this week. I did not win last week, though. I got smoked and didn't get a single <laughs> one, but I like that, uh, that you won. Thank you. And uh, we're going in a positive direction okay. here. Against your Lakers, my first pick this week, points, rebounds, assists, Tyrese Maxey over 22 and a half. Mind you, they have James Harden and Joel Embiid playing tonight, but... I think Tyrese Maxey can go out there and get about 17 and 7 or something like that. So let's go with that. 22 and a half. We're taking the over with Mr. Maxey. So that's one. On the early slate, one of his worst games statistically of the season. I think Clint Capella is going to bounce back on this back-to-back second night against the Detroit Pistons. 22 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Ironically, the same number as Mr. Maxey. We are taking the over on that. So give me the over on that. And then we have for our third pick, sorry for the very dramatic pause. (laughs) We have a showdown between the Brooklyn Nets and the Memphis Grizzlies tonight in Memphis. No John Morant present, so what does that leave us with? Tyus Jones, who as a starter is averaging 6.6 assists per game. I think with Brooklyn's Lack of defensive discipline. I think that Tyus Jones can fill that void right away. He is at seven assists. I'm going to take that over. And I'll be okay if that pushes. That's fine by me. But I think that Tyus can do that at seven assists. So my three. Tyrese Maxey, 22 and a half. Clint Capella, 22 and a half. That's points, rebounds, assists. We're going over on that. And then Tyus Jones, over seven assists. Let's keep it rolling. Here are my three. Speaking of keeping it rolling and for praise for LeBron James, this guy's putting up massive numbers right now. I'm going to ride him. Points, rebounds, assists, 45 and a half. Take the over as they're back at uh, the Crip. The Crip. like to call it that. Crypto.com arena uh, <laughs> where the team has gone to die this year. Uh, but LeBron James over 45 and a half at home against Philly. Jason Tatum is red hot as well. They are playing the Utah Jazz tonight. The game's in Boston. I will take Tatum over 41 and a half on points, rebounds, and assists. And meanwhile, his teammate Al Horford has not been scoring a lot lately. His number is nine points. I will take the under on that. The last four games, he has not even scored more than six points. So I will take Al Horford on the under for points. Jason Tatum over 41 and a half on points, rebounds, and assists. And LeBron over 45 and a half points, rebounds, assists. I like it. I like it. And 
you know, I'm looking at this now, and the, the maxi number could be a little bit of a sucker bet. But you know what? I think that Maxi turns up when he sees a fellow clutch client, and I think he'll turn up when he sees LeBron James. So that's that. That's my big on that. I think he'll turn up when he sees the Lakers' defense, but that's just me. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? There's a lot of usage to go around there with Embiid and uh, Harden, so we'll figure that out. But once again, guys, that was our friends over at Prize Picks. Make sure you deposit and use the promo code NEWS on Prize Picks, and you'll receive a 100 instant deposit. 100% instant deposit matched up to 100 bucks. Again, promo code NEWS and prizepicks.com. Okay, so I saw this pop up on the timeline here. And considering that we're all still pretty jumped up, bunched up in the standings, I wanted to talk about the East teams and their records versus the top three against each conference. And we know that they've been shuffling, but it's still pretty significant. We went over this, I think, last week or two weeks ago. But once again, the Bucks blew the Bulls' doors off. The Bulls are now 0-16. That's the worst in the Eastern Conference against the top three from each conference this season. 0-16 against those top-tier teams. That's not good. That's not good at all, especially when you have to be no. ready for the playoffs. Maybe they reverse their... their their luck during the postseason, but they're free falling. They're free falling right now, and that's not a good sign. So keep an eye on the Bulls there. I mean, Cleveland looks like I think they're one game, one and a half games back of the fifth seed there. They're one game back. So that that's yeah, in, one game that's back. crazy because Chicago has been in the top three for shoot three fourths of the season. I don't know. I'm not good with fractions, but that part I think is significant. Now, the number one team against the top three from each conference this season is the Toronto Raptors, and they're 10-5. and five. They're 10-5 and five against the top six teams in the league as it went when they played them, if that makes sense, because obviously the division standings shift. But the Raptors are, are one to keep an eye on because they're chasing Cleveland just to not be in the play-in. They did just lose a, a heartbreaker at Chicago, so they got blown out in Chicago, and then Chicago got blown out by Milwaukee the next night. It's almost like those college football conferences just kind of beating up on one each other in a little bit here. Maybe we're see- Toronto's had two bad losses this week because they lost that game to the Bulls and they lost to the Lakers at home. So that, that that was two quality wins by the Lakers. Your Lakers, by the way. <laughs> Well, they almost had a third, but they uh, they decided not to play in the fourth quarter, and Perzingis said, hey, uh, watch me. I can still score. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But so we got to talk about how this shakes out because we obviously have a, a, a issue here with these top teams that can't beat the best teams. Um, I don't know where Chicago's going. I don't know where – if Toronto's got the – the time, or, well, they have the time, but I don't know if they have the uh, the personnel to catch up. Um, at least Cleveland, because I think Cleveland's gonna gonna ramp it up here soon. Um, they've obviously been banged up, but Darius Garland's been putting on a show. I think he's averaging like 20, 12, 25 and twelve over his last twelve or thirteen games. Uh, Evan Mobley taking more of a responsibility as Jared Allen's been sitting out. Their defense is suffering greatly. Um, they have not been able to contain dribble penetration, and their perimeter defense has been tough. Because 
they've always been able to gamble a little bit with Jared Allen in the middle, but now that Jared Allen's not in the middle, Evan Mobley's there and Larry Markkinen is now the the weak side help, which isn't doing as much. Um, but the guards should be doing still a better job at, at keeping their man in front of them. That hasn't happened enough. But I th- think that offensively, Cleveland's still fine. And they just got Karis LeVert back, so that's good. They're still missing the hell out of Rajon Rondo. Um, we'll see if he can get healthy here uh, soon. But, um, you know, Cleveland, I still think, is going to figure this out. They did not take the game against the Lakers um, all too seriously after that first quarter. I think that they had lost a little bit of focus, and that's what J.B. Bickerstaff said. He thinks that they got caught up in the moment, kind of like they did against the Golden State Warriors earlier this season. Uh, when you see those kinds of superstars across from you on the floor, um, especially the storyline with LeBron being back in Cleveland, that can be an easy thing to to lose focus. Um, and that's not to take anything away from the Lakers because they've been playing better. But they um, definitely gave up way too many perimeter shots and uh, allowed too much uh, at the at the rim. So we'll see, you know, where they go. But you know, between them and Toronto, I think that's who gets the six seed. I don't. I would hope not to see Chicago slide all the way down to the play-in. But they've got competition. I mean, we'll see what happens with Brooklyn. Brooklyn, KD is playing at an incredible level at the moment. Um, I think that with Brooklyn, you're looking at what Kyrie Irving's status will be. And whatever Kyrie's status will be, will be a determining factor and and what happens in the playoffs. And then you have Charlotte. Charlotte is just on fire right now. Again, the Jekyll and Hyde of this entire project is just incredible. And then you have Charlotte, who's on a five-game winning streak, and, of course, the Jekyll and Hyde of the NBA. We cannot figure them out. Maybe it's the addition of Isaiah Thomas, who's been shooting the ball really well and setting up LaMelo Ball uh, off off the ball. Say that five times fast. But... Uh, Nikias Duncan did a great job on that, by the way, uh, talking about what Isaiah Thomas has brought to the table. But they've won five in a row, and they've won, uh, it looks like, seven out of their last nine. So they're on the come up. And then you have Atlanta right on the heels at 500 after a big win in New York on Tuesday. So it's all jumbled up. And the shoot, you know, the nine seed could end up being the six seed if we're not careful and seeing what this division's doing. And I'm sure we'll have a ton of head-to-head matchups, but... Again, Eastern Conference, all kinds of jacked up. So we've got about 10 games left for each team. And when you look at the Eastern Conference, I, you know, the Nets are three games out of the sixth seed. That's not impossible to overcome, but it's you, they could do it. They, they could move out of there. But if you go with the premise that they're probably going to be in the play-in tournament, the way that you look at the East is kind of like the heater at top. Then you've got another group between the Bucks, the Sixers, and the Celtics, who are all within a half game of each other. And then you've got another tier between the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Raptors, who are within two games of each other. So the Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics are trying to divvy out who's going to be between the two and four seed. And then the Bulls, the Cavs, and the Raptors are trying to decide who's going to be between the five and the seven. Which is huge because the, anything yeah. below seven is the play-in. So that kind of threesome below six is, is huge. the play-in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I, I mean, I'm not saying the Nets can't get there, but it's a little bit more of a hurdle. Like they got to get, they've got to jump 
you know, a couple of teams here with only 10 games to go. You got to feel bad for um, whoever's in the play-in against them. <laughs> oh, well, how, how are you going to feel if you're the, whoever they're going to place in the, uh, say they make it out of the play-in tournament, okay? That means they're going to play the one or the two seed in the first round. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Armageddon right out of the get-go. It is. But, I mean, the Heat haven't locked up the first seed, but feel pretty good about them there. I mean, even though, you know, they, they've lost four of their last 10 and they just lost a game to the Sixers the other night. But, you know, I they're going to be the one or probably the two seed at worst, I think. But, you know, I, I'm going to be curious to see when it comes to that jockeying between the other teams there because, you know, Everybody wants to hold on to home court advantage as much as they can. Plus, there's a matchups thing there. And, you know, the back end's going to be really interesting because the Bulls, the way that they've been playing lately, I mean, they, you, you mentioned it. Like, I mean, it wasn't too long ago, it felt like they were the top team in the East. And now they've slid so much. They might be the team that goes into the play in tournament and the Raptors and the Cavs end up in the five and six seed. It's a gauntlet. It's a damn gauntlet, man. <laughs> But, I mean, in the East, I think we we feel good about who the top 10 teams are going to be. Sure. Like, the Wizards now are five and a half games out at the 11th seed. So, I think we know that door's shut on who the, the 10 teams are going to be to at least either make the playoffs or get into the playing tournament. Okay. So, I have the – we're talking about magic numbers, all right? So, Brett Siegel, um, NBA analyst, he uh, calculated the way that it's got to go. So, to clinch a top six seed as of today – Miami has to win three games. Milwaukee has to win six games. The Celtics have to win four games. The Sixers have to win seven games. Chicago has to win eight. Cleveland has to win nine. So that's the East. The West. Phoenix has already clinched a top two. And let's be honest, no one's catching them. Yeah. The Grizzlies need two wins. The Warriors need five wins. The Jazz need six wins, and so do the Mavs. The Nuggets need eight wins, and Minnesota needs nine wins. So those are your magic numbers at the moment on March 23rd, 2022. In in the West, I feel good about who are going to be the top two teams. Mm-hmm. But you look at that three, four, five, six. There's four and a half games separating them. Warriors, Jazz, Mavericks, Nuggets. And it's kind of like all over the place with how Everybody is playing right now. It's kind of up and down. You never know on a particular night. Mm-hmm. Maybe the team playing the best outside of the Suns and the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves. Yes. Who right now are the seventh seed. And they're only a game out of the six. Uh-huh. Go back to last so, week. Go back to last week. When right they, there. I told you that I told you they're making their surge. They're making their climb. They're 11 games over 500 now. They just lost a heartbreaker at Dallas. But I'm telling you, man, this is a team that's really on a good plane level right now. And and reason being probably Patrick Beverly as far as their leadership goes, but we go again back to to Carl Anthony Towns and the job he's done, and uh, and D'Lo, but also I mean Malik Beasley off the bench. But I, I told you last week, Bri, I think that they can make it out of that play-in spot. I think that they can get into that top six, especially Denver, knowing that Nicole Jokic is going to have to take them to that that next level. They've got great bench play out of Bones and. DeMarcus Cousins, they just got Jeff Green back. Uh, Jermichael Green's been playing well, too. But they're not getting enough out of Aaron Gordon at the moment. Will Barton's not having the best season. And I think that this news that 
Jamal Murray is not probably going to come back, and Michael Porter Jr. is still kind of up in the air. I think that that can be downer to a morale. I think defensively they need to get better as well, and I think that, again, the Wolves can overtake that sixth spot. And and Dallas needs to, to take heed too, man. Um, they just lost one prior to, to the Minnesota game uh, that, that was not great. They got absolutely blasted by the Hornets, um, and that was – Coincidentally, the one game they didn't have Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> but uh, I think that, that Minnesota could get up to that tier. I, I don't think it's impossible, and they're one of the hottest teams in the league. They are, and you know they're on a good run because Pat Bev is is chirping at everybody right yes, now. Yes, everybody, so, every soul. You name it, he's doing it. And uh, so... <laughs> The Timberwolves have put it together here in the second half. And it's, you know, it's, it's funny you talk about the Jamal Murray not coming back most likely because, you know, it's too bad the Nuggets can't be at full strength. And obviously they'd like to have uh, Porter Jr. back as well. But I felt like if they could have even got Murray back for the last couple of games of the regular season and into the playoffs, that would be a dangerous, dangerous mm-hmm. team in the West, even if they just got him sure. back. And that's not going to happen. And, you know, Jokic is, you know, we'll talk about some MVP stuff here, you know, before we wrap this up. But, I mean, Jokic is doing everything that he can. He is doing everything in his power that he can. The poor dude on Sunday and, was so exhausted. It's like, it, you yeah. know, it's so hard when you're on the road. Uh, like, and we, we call 23-8-4 a bad game. Like, you know, like. Yeah. But, that's I mean, he was exhausted the and they were playing at Boston. Like, that's a t- against yeah. Boston. That's a tough. It, and not to mention you, too, again, going back to the betting perspective, they were in Cleveland. They played an overtime game in Cleveland. And then they had the next game literally less than 48 hours later in Denver. So you're going from Cleveland, traveling back to Denver with a day in between, no practice, and you're taking on one of the best teams since the All-Star break in Boston. So, like, that that in and of itself is a challenge, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, the schedule is not kind to them. To Mike the Malone's least, not been uh, quiet about that this year. <laughs> no, no, he has not. Oh, sorry, Mar- Michael I mean, Malone. Look- My apologies. Yes, Michael Malone, yes. Um, say it proper. But, I mean, you look at the other teams just trying to squeeze into that play-in. So, the Clippers are a team that I felt pretty good about, you know, a last week, they'll probably still get in or, or they're definitely going to get in, but they've dropped four in a row. Now the Lakers, I feel better about getting in. And then the Pelicans are just holding on. They're only a game behind LA or the Lakers, but the Spurs are only two games back of them. And I mean, they just beat the Warriors at their own house. They could. Yeah. I mean, they, they, the Spurs could get in just if you get hot for a week and the other team cools off, not that the other team has been particularly good, but doesn't take that much to flip-flop here at the end, you know, of the regular season. So I I think LA, the Lakers are probably pretty firm at nine. Um, I don't know if the Pelicans are going to surpass them, but you never know with this Laker team. I mean, they're Jekyll and Hyde, mm-hmm. but Pelicans and Spurs fighting it out to see who's going to get that last spot in the plan. I mean, I... The Blazers are right there too, but like they don't have Dame, they're banged up, you know, and I, I just don't see them getting that. They've they've really been struggling as of late, but the Spurs, 
eh, they could. They could still get there. Sure. Sure. Why not? And, you know, you never count out Pop. <laughs> Any season, yeah. you never count out Pop. Last, I mean, when you didn't see him in the playoffs last season, you were almost, like, flabbergasted because, you know, it's just how it works. But, um, yeah, no, the, especially the way that the bottom of the, the the West has worked this season. You never know. You never know. And, and, and you know, there's all this talk now about, like, Anthony Davis is starting to ramp back up. You know, I mean, you look at where he was a week ago to this weekend's, but I'm I'm still of a belief that he's not going to play in the regular season. Or if he does, it'll be like the last game. Oh, you know? look at so Brian who being knows? a little optimistic here. I don't think I'd hear this in his voice after talking all that S. No, but here's the thing. <laughs> the Lakers were bad with him, and they'll, they've been bad without him. <laughs> so I don't know how much of a difference he's going to really make. So, but I'm just saying for everybody that's wondering, like, where they're going to be, like, they could get AD back. Now, for anybody who wants to talk about Kendrick Nunn, don't. He's a ghost. So um, I'm just only going to talk about he's Anthony Davis when it comes to football teams returning. But <laughs> Here, here's the other thing, too, that I wonder about. Because now that we have a pretty good feel for most of these teams. I mean, even though, like, you know, the Nets, we still don't even know if they're going to get Ben Simmons back. There's all this talk. You know, he's got this back injury and you know, he got an epidural recently. So we don't know when he's actually going to, you know, play and if he's going to play at all this season. So the Nets might not be at full strength. We don't know how they are. Um, the Sixers still adjusting a little bit with James Harden, but I think we've got a better feel for them. So I think we know how all these teams are at this point. And when you come down to the stretch here and you really wonder like, all right, let's separate, you know, Teams that might be regular season, the teams that are really contenders. And I, I say this because one of the teams that really fascinates me right now about whether they really are a contender or not, believe it or not, is the Golden State Warriors because they've been so banged up. They just get Draymond Green back, they lose Steph Curry. You know, they got Clay Thompson back earlier in the season, but Clay has played well, but obviously I don't think we're going to see Clay at his full powers until next season. You know, and, and that happens from a guy that's missed the last two years, you know, rehabbing from injuries. So I, I look at Golden State right now, and Steph, it sounds like he'll be back in time for the playoffs, but they're not playing good basketball. And I don't know if they can just turn it on. And I and I really look at them as one of those teams that all year long, I really thought they were a contender to win the title. And right now, I'm having my doubts. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because, you know, Draymond's the one, that's the straw that stirs the drink for that team. And even in, you know, defeated Orlando, and this is not excusable, but what I'm saying is it's not like they gave up a ton of points because when Draymond's on the floor, this is when team's at his best defensively. And the game before, too, like, they they lock in on the defensive end when Draymond plays. Um, unfortunately, they've dropped, you know, the last three in a row, um, which, you know, does not bode well for them, but... I think once Steph gets back, and the, this is what sucks about, you know, injuries. And I feel like this has happened more to the Warriors, honestly, uh, is whenever they get somebody back, they lose somebody. I mean, think about it. They haven't even had Iguodala. Iguodala has been one of their most important players off the bench. Uh, you know, Steph. They missed Gary Payton. Yeah, Gary Payton the second. Huge loss there. Um, you're having to to depend on, you know, some young guys, which, by the way, Kuminga has been playing excellent. Uh, but you're going to need more out of Andrew Wiggins. I mean, Wiggins is the one that's 
had his second half has not been his good. second half has been horrendous, uh, which, you know, you feel for the kid. Um, but in, in the 10 games since the all-star break, he's shooting 44 and a half percent from the free throw line. Like his game is predicated on getting to the rim. That's not going to cut it. Um, he's going to need to be a lot better uh, shooting the basketball. He's going to need to be a lot better uh, as far as where he's getting his looks from. That part, I think, is the disconcerting part, is that one of your, you know, third options, per se, is, is you know, tumbling a little bit. Um, you know, it, I think it's an interesting conversation, um, not to say that it's the, the root cause, but, you know, Clay coming back, does that did that ruin with his flow? Did that ruin Jordan Poole's flow? Even though Jordan Poole's found it again as the sixth man, don't get me wrong. Uh, but you could see Jordan Poole had an adjustment pr- period too when Clay came back, uh, you know, and you're obviously going to give the keys to Clay Thompson. It's Clay Thompson for goodness' sake. But on the offensive end, you got to think: is this affecting somebody else? And I think that Wiggins is a prime example that that's affected him. The return of Clay Thompson, and also you know the the kind of sporadic nature about when clay plays and when he doesn't um that part i think um is real so we'll see how they adjust again uh when i talk about jordan Poole, jordan Poole uh in the month of march uh has been absolutely insane he's averaging 24 a game uh four assists on 54% from the field and 48% from deep on nearly nine attempts a game so Jordan Poole's been absolutely on fire. This is how basically he started the season out. Um, what I was talking about was when you know Clay came back that he kind of lost it a little bit, and that's okay um, because he's he's rediscovered that. But it took him about a month to re- regain that form again. So we'll see if Wiggins can figure it out again. Um, but you know they're missing the head of the snake, and I think that's where where it comes in for the Warriors and. Even Draymond's talking about their fourth quarter execution, how it hasn't been there. And to be able to execute, you have to have a certain level of physicality. And his quote unquote was, you know, no disrespect to them, but that's the worst, one of the worst teams in the league. If we can't match that physicality, how are we going to do it against the greats? So, you know, he kind of called his team out a little bit there uh, to spark a little bit of a fire. Steve Kerr even talked about how much, you know, he loves the guys in the locker room and know how much they want to win, but that they just need to get it together. So they're aware that they've, they're having issues. Um, but that's a good question. I, I don't know if they're a title contender, especially we don't know how Steph comes back, what kind of shape he's in um, as far as I think it's uh, his ankle um, that, that got hurt when Marcus Smart uh, accidentally uh, went for the ball and, and fell on it. But I feel like that's an interesting question because there's a ramp-up period. We obviously know Steph's history with ankle injuries. <laughs> Um, and, and also where, where Clay Thompson is at that point, um, as a, uh, starting, you know, shooting guard. It just feels like there's been something a little bit off throughout the season, like as it's gone on, especially because of injuries, chemistry, great, great story that Clay Thompson was coming back and, you know, and has come back, but him and Steph aren't shooting it, it well. Feel- I mean, even when Steph's been healthy, no, they're, they're not, not shooting it well. Steph has not had a great shooting year for himself. It's like after and he broke Ray Allen's record, it all went to trash. 
Yeah, I mean, remember, he had a little trouble even getting that record the last couple of games. And, I mean, that's somewhat understandable. He still clutched, though. Like, I don't want, yeah, I don't want listeners absolutely. to... Absolutely. Like, know. that game, he went off. Yeah. Like, he broke the record early in the game, too. So, I mean, he's still Steph Curry. But, like, he, when you compare it to his standards, he's, it's been a down year for him. So, I just think there's something a little bit off with that team. And they, they still feel like a healthier year, better chemistry, maybe one other piece of not a star player, but another really good role player would get them there. But I, I'm having serious doubts about them. And when I look at the West overall, I mean, obviously the, the Suns are a team that we all believe can win a championship. I still think the Grizzlies can. I mean, John Morant's dealing with a knee injury right now, but it doesn't look like it's something that's going to affect him in the playoffs. It's Kind of let's be safe about this right now. At least I'm hoping that's what it is. And when I look at the other teams in the West, like I guess if I had to take a third team that I'd really believe in right now, maybe the Mavericks. Wow. Maybe, but I still wonder about can they score enough? I mean, the pace is going to slow down in the playoffs, but I'd almost be struggling to get to the Mavericks. So I mean, you if said I had Phoenix, to take a third. Memphis, it may be Dallas. Okay, maybe. Wow, not I, one mention of an Eastern I, Conference team, huh? No, I'd say in the okay, West. Okay, in the okay, West. okay. No, just just the West. No, the East is a is a little bit of a different animal. But in the West, I just don't have that much confidence on many teams coming out there to be true contenders Same. and winning a title. I mean, Same. I mean, I've, you know, I've soured a little bit on on Utah. Um, I I just don't see kind of that that hunger that I've seen in previous years, and I thought yeah, last yep. year they were real hungry. I thought in the bubble they were extremely hungry. They just ran into, you know, some some troubles. But I think we're seeing the end of the Donovan Mitchell Rudy Gobert partnership in Utah. Okay, interesting. We'll see. And I want well, and you remember Gobert just got the extension. They're starting Wancho, or they're starting Wancho Hernan Gomez now. Oh jeez, but floor stretcher. I'm going to be curious to see which team, which guy stays and which guy goes if they do break it up. Because, you know, Mitchell, they have, they have tried to go other way to appease Donovan with some different stuff. I think if you trade Rudy, there will be teams out there for him, but it will be, it's not going to be the entire league. I don't know if he's in that much of a demand because the amount of money he makes and he's not putting up a lot of points, obviously. He's more of a defensive guy. Um, and there's going to be a lot of demand for Donovan Mitchell, excluding the Knicks who have been hunting for him for over a year now because, you know, the Knicks and how they love to plan for free agents. Doesn't mean they're going to um, get him. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell and Zion are coming to New York, right? Um, so <laughs> we'll see exactly what happens there. But I, I, I do think that, like, if Utah, especially if they – don't make it past the first or say they fizzle out of the second round really quick. I I think they're going to have to take a hard look at that roster and their two star players. Sure. Sure. I mean, and you think about how much money's tied up between both of them. That's the other thing, but yeah, we'll see where Utah, we'll now, see where, where Utah ends up, but I, I, I've soured on them and I think that, you know, losing Ingles too is huge and, it, it just kind of, they're not athletic enough out on the perimeter and on the wing. Well, they have youth. They, I mean, they brought in Nikhil Alexander Walker and he had a couple he had back to back double digit scoring games and then fizzled out there in the 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 game after that but uh, you know 
I just don't know. I, I I need more. I need more on the honestly on the the defensive end, which you think you wouldn't see. You mean Rudy calling out his teammates for not caring on defense? Maybe it doesn't help. I mean, or actually, maybe it does help, but it's on just the not perimeter. Having an on the perimeter, I mean, yeah, you know, like, that's that's the whole thing. Their interior defense, you funnel it to Rudy, but on the perimeter, they don't play good enough defense. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the bugaboo there. So, uh, you know, yeah. I I feel like I'm out on Utah, like Denver. I can't take seriously unless they have you know at least another player next to Jokic that's playing well. Because I mean, Aaron Gordon's taken kind of a dive a little bit uh, here as, as of late. As far as production goes, uh, you talk about Dallas. I actually like Dallas because I, th- I think that they are better suited for the playoffs, the way that they can slow the game down. Um, and also having Dinwiddie being able to do what he's able to do, um, being Brooklyn Dinwiddie again, and, and Jalen Brunson able to to score the basketball. I think Dorian Finney-Smith, again, uh, is having a solid year. So I, I actually like them in the playoffs. I don't know if I'm talking title contender at this point. I still think that they need a solution <laughs> At the five that they have not found, but I, I do like them uh, come postseason time. Minnesota, they're not there yet, but they're going to get there um, in a year or two. I'm I'm convinced. Um, the Clippers, they they keep teasing this PG Kawhi stuff. I'm not buying Kawhi. I can I don't buy, buy any PG, of it. but I can't buy Kawhi. Yeah. So there's I, that. I I just can't imagine Kawhi coming back. PG maybe, but even then. I, I don't know. By the way, you mentioned the Mavericks and uh, Dinwiddie. Did you see uh, Bradley Beal? He, he did an interview. I think it was yes. maybe it was with the yeah yeah yeah. You know I you think, I think like, we need wait, I need we, gar- t- we need a, we need you know we need bigger guards guards that can get in the paint maybe shoot guards. a little bit. I was like, wait a second, you just had one. Was that a shot at Tommy Shepard or was that just him being oblivious? I think it was the latter. I, I will like say what? like that. But that's I, exactly I, what they I saw had. Like, but I mean, to to his defense, to Beal's defense, Spencer Dinwiddie was not getting into the paint. He was not shooting the ball well. So right, maybe it was a shot at Dinwiddie. But like, hey, I that, had no idea. He was exactly what we needed if he got to the rim. If he had actually you know gotten to the rim, gotten the lane, yeah, or been told to go to the rim. You know, like those are two different things. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? But <laughs> I saw that. I was that like, What's is going on here? Flabbergasting, and I've used flabbergasting twice on this already, so I'm done using the word flabbergasting. But it's it, it, unexplainable. I have no idea why it didn't work there. No clue. At least Przingis had. There was a some kind of beef there. behind the scenes. <laughs> there, there was, there were, there were definitely some issues behind the scenes and roles and whatever. And you know, that's why I. I still kind of believed in Dinwiddie. He just needed to get out of there. And, you know, he's been a much better fit in Dallas. And some of that also is going to be, too, just the happiness factor, getting out of one situation, going to another. They just lost know? embarrassingly at Houston, but at least KP's been playing better for the, uh, you know, for the Wizards. You know, right. he's not been bad at all. Um, definitely can use a little bit more. Good. He probably will look better yeah. with Beal next to him. We'll see how that works out. Everybody looked better with Beal. And, I mean... I mean, all signs are pointing to him staying. I mean, until he signs up the dotted line, you, you never know. But, like, he basically said, like, I plan on signing a max extension in the offseason. In other, uh, you know, middle of the road, bottom teams news, uh, New Orleans, 
Zion Williamson cleared for one-on-one, even though we've been told he's not going to come back. But better news for the Pelicans is that Larry Nance Jr. is cleared to play his first game. So that came from Willie Green as we were recording this podcast. So um, yeah, that, that'll be interesting. Oh, by the way, um, and we'll talk about the East here real quickly in a minute, but um, our guy, Michael Malone, just got an extension from the Nuggets. Just now. Just now. Oh, good for him. Breaking news. Good for him. I don't know how many years. It didn't say, but he got an extension. He was already under contract for next year, so multiple years beyond next year. Good thing. Good for him. So, real quick, because we're talking about who's really a contender in the West. In the East, it's more than the West, but can you get the five? Milwaukee's at the top of my chain. I think Boston is up there. Yep. I don't believe in Chicago. The, no. Heat? Miami is a, a three. Yeah. Yeah. Philly, I'm not there. Sixers. With. I'm not there. I don't think they I don't think either. I don't think they have the depth. What about Brooklyn? <sighs> Ask See, Eric here's Adams. The thing with I don't me. Know. Here's here's what I would say. Yeah, exactly. He's man, why is he holding on to this thing? I mean I'm not going to argue public policy, I, I, but I, but I don't get the, it. That, that's, here's the know, thing, that's though. That's the thing that's holding it back. That's all I'm saying. Here's the difference when, when it comes to Philly and Brooklyn, when it comes to like, I think they need a little bit more because I think Brooklyn, same thing when it comes to depth. But for some reason, and as great of a player as Joel Embiid is, Kevin Durant has special powers. Yeah, and and, and you, you got to notice KD too that, that Embiid towards the end of the season, almost like Jokic, you just run out of gas from the load that's, yes. that's put on your shoulder. And that's why they went out and got Harden, don't get me wrong, but you run out of gas. Against Cleveland, even though they won that game last week, uh, you could see that he was he was favoring his knee a little bit. Like, I mean, I, you don't I, want I, this I to happen. I still can't turn, yeah, I can't turn a blind eye to Kevin Durant. I just, I just can't, I can't count him out. No. You can't ever but, count KD. But I mean, up. so I mean, I think there's four real contenders in the East. Five, maybe. Philly, yeah, I'm I'm still on the fence about because I don't the re, the main reason why, it's not because I'm worried about an Embiid injury and let's, you know, hope that doesn't happen, obviously. I just don't believe in James Harden. Mm. Shots taken. I I just can't believe in James Harden. Show me. Show me, man. Show me the money. But I mean, I look at those other ones, Bucks. To me, I'm like you. I'm I'm still my my pick to come out of the East. They're the champions. The, They're the defending champions. They just got their starting center back. Right. Bobby Portis has been playing I mean, out his mind this year, so you bring him off the bench now. You still have Serge Ibaka when you need that matchup. You know, Pat Connaughton's back now from the finger injury. George Hill just got healthy, even though Javon Carter's been taking his spot in the rotation. Javon Carter's been playing really well. Um, Very, very much so uh, to my happiness because I was a huge fan of his coming out of college. West Virginia, Bob Huggins coached. Um, Just a gritty player, defensive, but, you know, shooting the ball well. And, you know, looking as good as he has at the NBA level as ever. You know, he's had stops in Memphis, Phoenix, and, and Brooklyn, and Hasn't been able to quite put that together, but 
man, it looks like on this championship team in a you know twenty minute roll or so that he looks really strong and um, is doing a really good job as their backup. So, and you get Brooke Lopez back, and that helps you know sure up the middle because Giannis has played so much at center. Yeah, they're and deep. Helps with the rotation a little bit. They're just deep, man. I mean, it sucks. They, they yeah. lost DeAndre Bembry. I thought that could have been a really, really underrated pickup, but he's out for uh, the rest of the season. But, you know, you got Grayson Allen. I, you know, they, they've had quite a few, you know, members of the roster as I look at it now. But uh, Wes Matthews is no stranger to the game. You know, like, they, they've, they've been playing really, really solid. They did not have Chris Middleton their last game, but they absolutely blew the doors off of the Bulls. And, um, you know, they got, they got killed well, by the Wolves, Middleton but that was without played, Giannis. But they, they've yeah. been putting Mid- points up. Middleton has played so much better in the second half of the season. He had a lot going on to begin the season, and he just wasn't there. And then there's always going to be, or a lot of times, there is this, we just won a title that could be a little bit of a funk sometimes. And, and there was. Classic well, Not by everybody. Yeah. Be, yeah, there's a little bit of a hangover. But, you know, Middleton is definitely... You know, play better here. Um, Holiday has played really well all year. He's having his best shooting year of his career. Fourth so quarter, Drew. And don't forget it. Yeah. So, I mean, the Bucs are the defending champs. They're right there. The Celtics, everybody's talked about them. And they're, you know, How about coming Grant on Williams, here in the man. second. He just I had know, a, he had a career the night the he, other night. Uh, you- he gave himself the nickname Batman. Did he really? Yes, he nicknamed himself the Batman the other day. That's awesome. Even though he's more Robin, I, I, I'm not to be mean, but you know, Tatum's kind of the Batman there. <laughs> uh, but that's pretty sick. He did just have a career night in OKC the other night. Uh, Boston is just absolutely on a tear. They've won nine out of their last ten. Uh, he's been a huge part of that, a huge part of that. And you you brought that up too. Um, but their their margin of victory over these last ten games is just ridiculous. Um, Honestly, and it, it's been fun to watch uh, them find their groove in this manner. Uh, we've been waiting on that, and we talked about that. We talked them up last last pod, but um, it just seemed to be cohesive uh, right now. And Tatum is just on a second half tear. Uh, Jalen Brown, I mean, these are the guys that we were talking about splitting up like two and a half months ago, like idiots. Like, we weren't the only ones, though. I mean, I don't think that I don't think that we mentioned it. I'm just talking about you know the media in general. I don't think I. I think actually, if you go back to uh, the archives of said Keep It in '94 podcast, that I was speaking about how dumb that would be. <laughs> but yeah, I think you were. But uh, you know, those two, uh, I, Peyton Pritchard's come alive here uh, lately um, off the bench, so. You know, this is it's just they play they played such great defense and Tatum has taken his game to another level. That that has been the two biggest things for me. I mean, you're getting like when it comes thirty a night out of these two at the moment. Um <laughs> yeah. at least as of late. So that's big time and you know, you figure out your bench and you're in good shape, man. You're in real good shape. But yeah. they have they have a roster that can compete for a championship. Do I think they're going to win a championship this year? I don't think so. I still think that they need the the point man, but hey. Well, I, I also wonder too, and 
we all know how good Tatum has played. Mm-hmm. We know that Jalen Brown is the number two option on that team. But is he going to perform when they're in these tight games in the playoffs where so much is on the line? Do we still believe in Jalen Brown to make the right play or make the shot, you know, when Tatum is getting double teamed? And if it's not him, then who else is it going to be? It's going to be Grant who Williams this year. Who is the third year. option on that team? <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. Who is the third option on the Celtics that you really trust? So that that's going to be the thing. And, like, you know, our, our defense is going to be able to, to slow down Tatum enough, you know, in the postseason. I mean, they've been on an incredible run. And, you know, they're in the fourth seed right now. They're tied for the third seed. You know, they, they could get all the way to, you know, two. I mean, heck, things roll the right way. I mean, the Celtics could end up as a top seed. I don't think so in East, but like it's not impossible here. No. And you know, but they've they've definitely turned around their season to the point where I, I think they are contenders this year. I don't I don't see it happening, but like I'm not gonna be shocked if they got to the finals. Right, right. Same here. That that's probably yeah. about right where I would put them. Uh, I mean, the other yeah. team we got to mention, and we talked about a lot last week, is the Heat, who, you know, we talked just last week about, like, oh, not giving them enough attention and everything. But the Heat are rock solid. The whole thing about them is just, can they be healthy, you know, in the playoffs? Can they have all their guys there? And, you know, they're just this gritty team that's, you know, scratch and claw with you and play defense and whatnot. And... They need Jimmy out there. They need Bam. They need Lowry, and they need Hero. They need their guys. Yeah. And if there was anything about Tuesday night that I would point out, um, because they were pretty much healthy, they they did pretty much have everybody. Um, was that the Sixers were picking on Tyler Hero on the defensive end? So incredibly in the fourth quarter yeah, down the stretch, that, that's going to be something to keep an eye on because. If he's going to get picked on like that defensively, you're going to need somebody to step up in that position um, to because it's hard to fill his offensive role because he's been so good this year. He's up there for sixth man of the year. Um, but they were going right at him. So they'll have to figure out a, a solution to that. And I have all the trust in the world that Eric Spolstra can figure that stuff out. But yeah, that, that, that pretty much are five our contenders on- there, I think. Yeah, I think so. Let, let's spend five minutes on MVP. Okay. Yay. I know you love it. Oh, before we get into MVP, by the way, uh, since we are getting into award talk, got to give a shout out to Mark Schindler, Jackson Frank, and Nikai's Duncan. Last week, they did their all defensive teams and all NBA um, defense uh, rankings. So make sure you check that out on basketballnews.com. It is a good one. Continue. So we talk about MVP, our man, Jokic from the Nuggets, the reigning defending MVP of the NBA right there. Joel Embiid right there in the conversation as well. Do you end the conversation with those two or do you think that Giannis is in play for MVP as well? I think Giannis has to be in the conversation. I don't know if he's going to win it. It'd be cool if he did because that was my preseason prediction. (laughs) <laughs> but I think I think he's got to be in it. I don't think he's getting enough attention. Yeah, no, he's not. Um, especially uh, I think on the defensive end is where you have to give him his props. Well, look at him too. He's third in the league in scoring. He's second in PR, fifth in rebounding. Um, 
He's averaging almost six assists per game. You talk about defense, plus his shooting has gotten a lot better, not from three-point range, but from, you know, from mid-range. He's become a much better shooter. His free throw shooting is way up. He's up to 72% this year. Good for him. And he's not taking, you know, he's not taking a half hour between shots. So, um, yeah, he's a lot more comfortable. I mean, you could you could tell he's just growing off of last season and, you know, winning the championship. And he's been confident in pulling up from that, like, mid-range distance, too. And he's not shooting yeah. it terribly. Like, I'm looking at his numbers no. right now. Between 3 and 10 feet, he's shooting 42%. Between 10 and 16 feet, 41%. Between 16 and th- uh, three-pointer, he's shooting 41%. So those are respectable yeah. numbers as far as a pull-up jumper goes. Absolutely. I mean, his three-point range is what it is. It's still, you know, 30%, but, you know, his game is going to be more in the paint. Um, but when you we sit here right now, with 10 games to go. Who do you have as your MVP? So so here's where it's difficult for me because I think once Harden got traded to Philly that it's hard to for the voters to look and say, okay, how is Joel MVP of the league? Here's my argument, though. Does that really take away what he did in the first four months of the season? Is that, like, his fault that <laughs> Sixers went out and got Harden? Um, hopefully the 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 committee or whoever votes for these guys doesn't look at them going out and getting Harden as um, something that takes away from his MVP conversation. I think Joel Embiid still should be winning this. Um, it's just the the sheer dominance that he's shown um, when he's been healthy, when he's been able to be out there. Uh, even when Harden has gotten there is astounding. Um there should be no reason why that should count against him. Uh, he's still the most dominant center in the league. He is incredible with the ball in his hands. Um, he's able to put it on the floor. He's able to Euro. He's able to have his body under control, decelerate, all of that stuff. And the pull-up mid-ranger is, is probably, other than Kevin Durant, the most deadly in the league um, for a seven footer. So I'm going, I'm going Embiid here. I know that Jokic is having an incredible season and he doesn't get nearly enough credit on the defensive end. And um, Nikias wrote about that earlier, I think November or December about how we don't appreciate Jokic's defense. Um, Know the all around playmaker he is. We know where he's ranking in the categories. Believe Stan Van Gundy is the one that, that went to bat for him. Um, I think it was Stan went nuts last night. on Wednesday night or, or Tuesday night. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. During the broadcast last night. Um, and you look at the nuggets as a team, nobody else is averaging um, over 15 points other than Jokic. Jokic is averaging 26, nearly 14 and eight assists, uh, a steal and a half and a block per game. It's insane. It's really insane. But as an arguing point, I bet you could go to the Sixers before they had Harden and had something similar. Maybe Maxi was averaging like 17 a game or something, right? But you could clearly tell that pre-Harden, Philly was having issues as a team. So they're like neck and neck in that situation to me. Um, And again, just because Philly went out and acquired somebody the caliber of player of of uh, James Harden, that should not be held against him. I don't think that's fair. Um, I would 
say Tobias Harris is equal to the Aaron Gordon impact, right? I would say Tyrese Maxey slightly has an edge on a Will Barton or a Monte Harris, right? Like, I don't think that'd be fair to Joel Embiid to say that he had a quote-unquote better supporting cast. I don't think that that's fair at all. And I think that um, even though it's narrative-driven, I think that Embiid is the one who has the edge right now. I think when you come to the narrative, everybody always likes something new. I mean, unless there's just like absolute dominance that you like to like kind of pass it around a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I hope that there isn't any kind of uh, effect of Harden joining the Sixers when it comes to affecting Embiid's chances. It's a regular season award too, by the way. So don't forget that. Even though it's decided in the playoffs, let's remember it's a regular season award and anything that comes after the regular season does not affect voting. Yes. And as much as I believe that Giannis definitely needs to be in the conversation and we haven't heard his name come up a lot with it, I have still been of the belief that Jokic is the MVP because I look at his numbers and, you know, 26 points a game, 13 and a half rebounds, second in the league. He's at eight assists. That's seventh in the league. He has the highest PER at 32.8. His true shooting number is over 65%. His defense is even better. And here's the other thing, too. Everybody wants to talk about, like, oh, well, the Nuggets are only the sixth seed in the West. And you look at the Bucks and the Sixers, and they're, you know, two and three right now in the East. The records between their teams are not that different. The Bucks are 45 and 27. The Sixers are 44 and 27. The Nuggets are 43 and 30. They're right there. And, and I think and I was mentioning that throughout the season, too. I have no idea how they have the same record as the Cavs is what I was saying. Right. <laughs> so and now it's better than the Cavs. <laughs> I look at this, and as great as those guys are, but if I look at where the Sixers would be without Embiid, where the Bucks would be without Giannis, and where the Nuggets would be without Jokic, the Nuggets would be one of the worst teams in the league without Jokic, especially because their other two-star players are out. He's doing this without his two star running mates. Yep. It is. And yeah, they're the sixth seed, but they've got the same record. And he's putting up astronomical numbers, and all of the weight of the team is on his shoulders. It is. It is. And we can't hold it against Jokic that they're the sixth seed, even though if they were in the East, they would probably be in the top four or top five. So they would be right there. Yep. They would be in, they would be the five seed right now, but they'd be knocking on the three and four. Yeah. It, or even the I, two. I think it really is a matter of preference. I don't know. I, I just think, it is. I just think we're going to see too many people because the, the, the Sixers went out and got hardened. Just assume that Joel's kind of taken a step back, which has not been the case. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's a tight race. It's a really, really tight race. It's fascinating. Um, I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all, I think. I mean, it's it's quite the coup to be MVP, and it's kind of sub- it's subjective, obviously. But, like, you look at those three guys and the numbers they're putting up, and they're all pretty even numbers. Yes. So it just comes down to, like, the intangibles. Here's the other thing that I look at, too, when it comes to games played, because Embiid has missed, a, you know, some weeks because of an injury. Giannis did as well. Jokic is out there almost every night. The Iron Man, huh? He is. 
and he gets beat up every night. You watch him at the beginning of a game, and he is as white as can be. By the end of the game, he is red as a lobster because of how hard he's playing and how much he's getting beat up. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Just two mammoth, mammoth players, man. And and they're just so good. Yeah. And again, you, you said it too. Giannis has to be in the mix. But I think that that'll wrap it up for Keeping It at 94 this week. I don't know about you, but I got nothing else to talk about. I know that there's a Sweet 16 around the corner. I know that we have quite a schedule of games slated for the rest of the week. So that's what we're going to be t- paying attention to. And uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. We're almost to the end of March. Who could believe it? <laughs> I'm sure that next week we're going to have some fun with me crossing into the threshold of the third decade. We're going to keep that on hold until the next episode, though. So as for now, basketballnews.com podcast network is who represents Keeping It 94. We've got other great podcasts for you to listen to, including the Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy, the rematch with Aton Thomas, Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies, and of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. We are powered by Prize Picks and Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter, looking to go to the hottest concert, sports theater, and family shows near you? Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. On Twitter, I'm at Spin Davies. On Twitter, he's at Brian Fritz. On Instagram, I'm at Spin Davies. On Instagram, he's at It's Brian Fritz. Leave a comment, like, rate, subscribe. Do the same for all of our other great podcasts on basketballnews.com. Don't forget to visit basketballnews.com, download our app, and check out the great stories, features, and interviews that we have on that website. And, of course, it's your home for March Madness and the 2022 NBA Draft, which is right around the corner, not believe it. So make sure you go visit that. And, again, subscribe to Keep It at 94 on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And check out basketballnews.com. Until our next episode, everybody enjoy your Sweet 16 and your Elite 8. And we will talk to you next time. 